Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to Drifter Sympathy on Feral Audio. Go to feralaudio.com and click Shop Amazon to shop through their Amazon portal. Proceeds support this and other Feral Audio podcasts. Reckless Liberation off of a Holy Sons record I made about seven or eight years ago called Survivalist Tales. Today's podcast goes into the entire story behind that one song. 
originally written in 1996. It was right when I had gotten to college and was incurably depressed until I saw this girl from across campus. I'm still struggling with a question you asked when we were talking about being in college and and when Duncan would come in my room and I'd just be sitting in the dark. You you were like, what were you so sad about? As part of the function of feeling supremely alienated and confused as to why I would live on the earth, I became obsessed with the idea of this girl and... I think that's a really typical or universal experience, you know, trying to seduce yourself into believing that someone's going to offer you a way out of your hell. In ways, you secretly, as narcissistic as you are, in ways, I think, unconsciously, everybody does want to get out of themselves and experience some sort of more lighthearted sense of freedom and not be bogged down by this kind of weighty persona that they drag around everywhere. You totally. Know? Feeling like there is no bridge out to other people and then maybe experiencing a success, you know, with like communion with another person and then watching that bridge get burnt. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the whole process of that. Yes. When you were like describing this to me just now and you're like, you know, like wanting to escape that and finding that in someone else, blah, blah, blah. Like literally I was like, I was like, yeah. And then that falls apart and you're like, and then that falls apart. (laughs) (laughs) I don't go into dark areas of the psyche because I'm like a fucking goth. You know, I'm not, I'm not just trying to hang out in there. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, I think that there is an arrow pointing through difficulties towards a type of salvation. I think that's the point of therapy is like understanding yourself, understanding what you're going through and then being able to use it. A big aspect of falling in love is like the nature of the surprise of it. When you look at someone who's like surprisingly beautiful, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like the way that their body is proportioned and their hair and their face or like their eyes and the the way that they exist and bounce through the world, you know, it's like when you look at someone and you're like, 
you get that sense that they're really like a strange, exquisite invention. Because, I mean, let's be honest, like people are just a grouping of elements thrown into a bag and they have a name on them. Right. There goes Frank. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, Frank is just a fucking walking disaster of like countless illusions and people aren't these graceful, beautiful things most of the time. So when you see someone that has this certain magic to them and the way that they move... Falling in love is like you you like you want to know how they perceive things. They're like this, right. this is fascinating to see the world through your eyes. So that would make sense that you have more fallow valleys of your life where you're like I don't even know if there's anyone out there that I could ever find fascinating. But then you see someone and you're right, like right. this person is really different. When me and Duncan were in college, we had to work for our room board. So it was like a farm school. You know, I got assigned to working in the church, which seems a little ironic. (laughs) Um, Was there a big church community at Warren Wilson? I think that Black Mountain, you know, North Carolina in general, there's going to be the residue of Christianity everywhere you turn all the summer camps I went to probably had embedded Christian rituals, you know, which as a kid just seems really obtuse and kind of bizarre. Right. It's the fabric of what used to hold together, at least at people's minds, hold together the entire community. So it's just still there. I had trouble sleeping at night. I felt so miserable and so out of place all the time that around midnight, I kind of woke up and everybody else was going to bed and I could kind of be myself and maybe I would be four tracking or staying up with my crazy roommate. So that meant that like from midnight to like maybe four or five, I was kind of actually myself, you know, in this nether region. But then I'd have to go to work at like seven. So every day I was just disembodied and just really kind of slowly going insane because I wasn't really sleeping and I would just drink all night and try to get to a place of some form of enjoyment of my life. So in the morning I'd be there in the church and because I was so hungover I would literally go up into the rafters and just kind of stare down on other students as they existed in a normal world. So it was really kind of like the hunchback of Notre Dame or or like the Phantom of the Opera or something. It felt like I'm removed. I'm, I'm like a ghost. Hovering above people, looking down through the rafters, glaring down, hungover, pale and sweaty, and just kind of like existing in this other strata. quality, fresh ingredients really make a meal taste great. But if you lack technical skills, it can be hard to cook for yourself, and eating out gets expensive. With Blue Apron, each meal comes with step-by-step directions, pre-portioned ingredients, and can be prepared in under 40 minutes. 
It's really easy to follow and make, even if you don't know a lot about cooking. For under $10 a person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes, working directly with farms to bring you fresh, sustainable ingredients. There's several delivery options, so you can choose what fits your needs. And there's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash emil. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash E-M-I-L. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. I was acting pretty strange. I, I wasn't eating right. I was sort of like uh, existing up on rooftops and in trees in this other atmosphere that, um, was sort of permeated by an extreme morbidity. And I don't mean, like we said, like Elvira (laughs) posters and shit. (laughs) I'm talking about not really having any connection to the desire to be on the earth, but in a further place than that. That's a kind of disengaged, um, you know, like the gears of the car in neutral and you're just idle. But this is a further uh, extension of alienation where you floated off the orbit of the galaxy and you're just, you've been going out into the void for a very long time and you've kind of grown comfortable with it and you don't really have anything to prove to other people and you don't even really care uh, that you're not related to their species or anything like that. So in the middle of this like sort of daily daydream that I was lost in of immense confusion, I would look out my window across the campus to the girls' dorm and there was a girl that was just clearly more beautiful than anyone else in the entire school in a way that transcends physical beauty you know she was just a specimen of something that I couldn't put my finger on she was just different and embodied something that I must have related to and I didn't know why so I think I would stare out my window Almost like it was like prison bars, you know? So sunshine is outside. It's not in my room, in my cell. Behind the window pane, you know, there's no nutrition. There's no, there's no emotions anymore. There's nothing. I've almost ceased to exist. And so I look out the window and that's where life is. And it's as though I'm not allowed into the world. You know, I'm locked outside of it, and I'm very aware of that. And I see this girl walking by. I don't know why I would have thought that she would have related to me on any level. I think inside, I had made some sort of decision that, like, she was the one. They're quite more simple than you. They don't see half that you do You're walking on clouds way up high Life has been cut cold in your mind 
there's certainly an important correlation between this happening when I'm wildly depressed and you know what I mean? So I'm like looking for the cure unconsciously looking for something that can hoist me out of this pit. Eventually I was almost fevered with thoughts of her. Like I couldn't stop thinking about her. Like I would be sitting in my bed, totally silent, nothing happening. And I would visualize her walking into the room, almost like a film reel, you know, kind of looping. It started to seem really real, like she's gonna walk through that door. I'm visualizing this to a point that it's very, very close to being something that's happening right now. Had you spoken to her? No. Did you know her name? I didn't know anything about her. There was another aspect that was complicated. Was This is a liberal arts school where a large population of the women are gay and pretty hardcore about it. As I found more out about her, apparently she was gay. So that was going to be a problem. Um, <laughs> but she was in college. I mean, people are experimenting. Maybe it helps illustrate the kind of mania that I was experiencing. So her being gay wasn't like a deterrent for you? Because it seems totally logical to me. I would be like, okay, well. There's one hump we got to get over. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So I think that... As I'm kind of, you know, having these fevered daydreams of her coming in the room and seeing around more and more and kind of learn, you know, picking up things like, oh, she's in the carpentry department. I think I got fired from the church and I ended up getting stuck in HVAC. Basically, I would put a filter in your heating system, but I, I barely knew what I was doing. I was mostly like riding around the golf cart, like uh, destroying things or like <laughs> hiding in my room, you know, with the walkie talkie blaring so I could know when I was supposed to go pretend I was at work, you know. One day, I suppose I was at lunch and I think maybe she was just like getting some iced tea, you know, with her with her tray I think I just literally forced myself onto her. It may have been, and here's your Ohio connection. Okay. I had a rare Guided by Voices shirt that was a Vampire on Titus shirt, which is, you know, essentially their first record that made it out of Ohio. And Mac from Superchunk literally, like, handed it to me. It was like, when I was a little kid, he was like, you like Sebado? You're going to like this.
I had fallen in love with Robert Pollard and, and the Dayton mythos around Guided by Voices. I was wearing the shirt, and I think it was actually her. She was like, that's a cool shirt. I used to work at a record store in Columbus. She knew all the legends about Guided by Voices and all this stuff. So I was like, boom. Immediately, we actually did have something in common, because I guarantee you the rest of the 700 people at this liberal arts college had no idea who the fuck that was and didn't, right. didn't give a shit. So immediately I'm like, wow, this girl is fucking cool. You know, like it just goes to show you you're drawn to people for a reason. And I pretty much followed her all the way back to her room, like just walked beside her and just kept her in conversation. She's just looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, no one does this. You don't follow someone and then come right into their bedroom. I follow her into her room and sit down on her chair, just look at her, and I'm just basically like, this may seem like unfortunate timing for you, <laughs> but I think we kind of have to be together. That's, that's what has to happen now. Not today, not now in this room, but I have this instinct that this needs to happen. And she's kind of like putting her keys away and, you know, taking off her shoes and turning around and looking at me like, well, I guess you're mentally ill. Like this is, this is <laughs> a really stupid approach. You know, it's as though she knows like, well, this will never happen to me again in my life. I might as well hear out what he has to say. But, you know, she was gay. Right. Officially. So she may have thought I was pathetic. I don't know. She may have thought. Or like, she may have found it endearing. I think you have a lot of very endearing qualities, Emo. Well. <laughs> as you drink coffee out of a creamer holder. Well, the thing is, Okay. You would never do that to anyone. Sure. Okay, you'd never do that. And it would never work. But there is one circumstance where it does work. And it's when you are right. And when you know you're right, especially in the case of like a connection with someone or, or a type of love that is yet to be experienced, but you know it and you feel it, that just works because it's it's just true, you know? And so I think I sat down, made a vaguely philosophical case, <laughs> and was kind of like, well, okay, I'll see you around sometime. And that was probably one of my best moves, is that I just left and never contacted her again. <laughs> That's really the best thing you can do, is leave not be cloying, not suffocate somebody. A few days go by. I'm like, wow, she must think I'm crazy. And I just went about my life. Yeah, you put it out there. I made my point. Yeah. And uh, an interesting thing happened. She got my phone number and she started calling me because, you know, a few days had gone by. What would happen in in her mind, you know? She's she's going through her life, going through the motions, going to a carpentry job, sleeping with her girlfriend, 
But behind everything, she's thinking, what the fuck was that? That was bizarre. I mean, there's a magic to just doing something so outrageous, but then seemingly not really wanting too much from someone, you know? Right. Just kind of stating what you claim to be the obvious truth. And so I had had some problems in my life because I had started drinking a little bit more previously. And I think it really drives home how aimless and bored I was, but I had gotten to a bad habit of going down to the local grocery store and wearing a coat that I could fit like up to three or four bottles of red wine in and just walk out of the store. So I think the implicit underlying message there is that only bored, depressed people collect wine. I had a whole closet full of it. It was like the one thing, I guess, that took my mind off everything. It's just like, you know, and I was poor, like super poor. You know, you didn't get paid for your work on campus. That just went to your room and board. Right. And so one night I got really drunk. I was just, you know, really trying to get outside of myself. And I think my friend had a birthday party, and I remember just just getting out there drunk and ending up at that grocery store. And I could barely kind of walk. And I was just shoving the wine down into that same jacket, just thinking, I do this all the time. This is what I do. I steal wine, you know. And I think the wine bottles are just bulging out of my coat, you know. I look fucking ridiculous. And I look like a fucking drunk hobo. I get up to the counter. I'm like, everybody can see that I'm stealing this wine. Because I'm standing with some friends of mine who are buying more beer. And, um... I'm like, I, I got to put these back. This I look like a fucking idiot. So I go back to the aisle and I put the wine bottles away. To tell you the truth, I think I went back to the cash register. And I was like, no, fuck that. I'm stealing this wine. And I go back to the wine, put it back in my, I, I mean, I'm extremely drunk. And, and I put it back in my coat and then I start walking. I'm like, I look like a fucking freak. And I put it back again. And then as I'm walking out of the aisle, this redneck dude comes up to me that clearly works security. And he's like, you're coming with me right now. And I'm like, why? I didn't do anything. I don't have anything on me. What did I do? And he's like, just try to run for that door. I'm going to kill you. This is what this guy wants. He's like got kicked out of the military and he's a fucking security guard at Ingalls. You know, so he wants to beat me up. Uh, he wants to see me try to run. Unfortunately, I know I am so drunk that I, there's no way I could even walk fast at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that I get the sense that the doors are going to lock on me if or something. Right, lock right, me right. in. And so... My mind tells me, you know, I've never been to jail. And going to jail would be, like, really fascinating. I really felt kind of good about that. I felt, I felt like, really interested in what, what could happen. And 
the guy's like gripping me like he's just wants to beat me up he just wants me to do something like try to break away and uh i am kind of getting annoyed though i'm like dude i don't have anything i didn't steal anything right what did i do and he calls the cops car pulls up i think they they say it's called concealment i think that's what it was that i i was guilty of and i remember getting in the cop car i was just like the nicest guy in the world talking to the cop the whole way there with the cuffs on i'm just like you know yeah just go to college down the street and all this stuff he's like i think he feels kind of bad like like this guy probably didn't do anything essentially you know but this seems like all part of my my script at the time i'm just like no this this totally makes sense i should go to jail right now so they throw me in the holding cell with a guy who's like killed an entire family in a drunk driving accident and he how do you know that he tells you this or he must have told me i it was just me and him and we were sitting there in this kind of drunk tank thing and I was just like over in the corner writing songs, you know, I was like, I wrote three songs deep, you know, and I started to get really bored eventually. And I realized that's how they get you. I was like, this really is miserable. Actually, basically just like staring at the wall started to become a true form of torture. I could, I could understand. I was like, this, this really is actually terrible. And meanwhile, across from me, the guy is like, he looks like if he could get a weapon to kill himself, he would do it now. He was so incredibly sad. My buddy comes and bails me out, and I go go back to my dorm room, and a few of my friends castigate me, and they're like, what are you doing? Like, you're living like an idiot. You're stupid. Why would you do that? Why did you go to jail? And I'm like, oh, who cares? Like, literally, who cares about anything? And uh, so the court date finally rolls around, and it's the day before I have to go into court, and my phone rings, and it's the girl that I'd convinced to fall in love with me. And she's like, what are you doing? Do you want to hang out right now? And I'm like, here we go. So we go and climb this tree. It's like, uh, it seems like it's like 80 feet tall. It's like we're like swaying up in the North Carolina forest, basically. Just sitting there, essentially like kind of in an embrace because we're like trying to hold on to the tree and, and balance up there. And I guess I just kissed her and that happened. And she seemed just kind of shocked by the whole thing, you know. But it seemed kind of like, this is an unstoppable thing. This is just going to happen, whether either of us like it or not. So we stay up all night, and then I've got to go to court at like 7. So I'm literally falling asleep in the courtroom, and the judge is like staring at me like, are you fucking kidding like, you are a joke. I'm literally asleep, like, my head back. <laughs> but I just don't care. Now I don't care because I'm happy. Right. I, I met this girl. I'm just like, I don't fucking do whatever you want to do to me. It just doesn't matter anymore, you know. 
So they call my name and I like go up. I'm supposed to defend myself. I'm just totally uninterested in defending myself. And the lawyer that I'm assigned to takes me aside and whispers very like sternly and loudly in front of the whole courtroom. He's like, okay, basically you give me like $600 and I I can get this off your record. I'm like, dude, no, I'm not, I don't have any money. Like, I'm not going to give you money. Why would I do that? He's like, gets super mad at me the way that cops do where they're, you're like, how are you generating this level of anger at a little kid, like a stranger? Right, right. But they look at you like a father looks at you that and you've just wrecked their car. They look at you and they're like, you son are a true idiot. You're a fucking idiot. He's essentially telling me this in front of a judge and everybody, but just like slightly under his breath. Okay. And he's like, listen, do you want to wash dishes for the rest of your fucking life? I'm sure I was like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. I'm going to do what I've always done. I wasn't really scared by the prospect. Right. And he's like, listen, I'm going to get this off your record for the rest of your life and you're going to pay me $600 and that's how it's going to happen. And I guess he just bullied me. And so I was like, yeah, you do what you want to do. I don't want to talk to you anymore. So I probably went back to sleep and uh, they charged me with whatever. And essentially they sent me another court date, you know, so that the lawyer could protest my innocence or something. And um, it, fell into a quagmire of bureaucracy where it kept getting continued for some reason. I would be prepared to go back to court, but every time it was time to go back to court to get it off my record, it would just get a continuance. And so it dragged on and on and on. Well, meanwhile, I'm falling deeper in love with this girl and school ends and it's summertime and she ends up staying on campus just to work, which was kind of something they offered a few students. If you were a good worker, you could live on campus and just work and live for free. But I went home to Chapel Hill, and I was, like, doing my thing, getting drunk and having fun with my friends. But my court dates would roll up, and I'd have to go back to Asheville. So I am still confused at why you have so many court dates for getting caught not stealing something. Well... Probably because the courtrooms were so incredibly full because it was the beginning of the meth epidemic in Asheville. There was lines around the block of criminals coming to do their time for various meth offenses and stealing and shit around town. And so it's probably that the courts were overflowing. Okay. So this inadvertently gives me this opportunity to come back and be with this girl on campus during the summer so we can kind of advance our relationship but more importantly it gives me a script to tell my mom as to why I'm going back to Asheville because a letter came from the court system to her house and she held it up in the light with her old world techniques (laughs) she could read that it said that I was uh, issued a court date for, for a crime And she comes up to me, and she's like, Emil, did you get arrested? And I'm like, no. (laughs) And she's she's like, well, you got a letter here says you did. I'm like, what? 
how can you read through this shit, you know? And I'm like, my brain comes up with this story. I'm like, uh, well, no, I was doing a project on the court system. We were going in and, and signing up and trying to get information, sitting with lawyers. And it was just part of the project, you know, to this day, I think she still pretty much thinks I got arrested, but won't, you know, she wants to believe me. Right. That's my reason I'm telling her for why I need to go back to Asheville is, is because I've fallen in love. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I'm going back anyway, essentially the end of this story is so incredibly dark that I can't tell it. It involves things that happened to her that were really fucked up and two things happen. She became wildly depressed and I became incredibly happy like that happens sometimes brain chemistry just kind of swirls around each other and completely transforms and you wake up as two different people and it wasn't anybody's fault it was just something that Is happened it a gradual thing or it was pretty gradual she actually went off to india and told me i could come and then a couple weeks before she left all of a sudden called me up and was like yeah, I don't think you should come. And that was kind of like the beginning of the end. I was like, that's a really weird thing to do to somebody, you know, like that's a really odd, selfish, sudden thing to do to somebody. Just treating them sort of like they're expendable, you know, like, oh, here's some late breaking news. You know, I burned your house down or whatever. Like, right. And so... We were changing really fast, especially around the time she went to India. I think she went through a lot of changes. And that set something in my mind that I wanted to go to India. And so me and Duncan and Dave started planning our trip a little bit later because I'd kind of felt like I was ready to go. Something changed within me over the summer she was in India, too, it's very, very, very hard to describe, but it was almost as though my serotonin levels were so incredibly low for so incredibly long that my brain chemistry just released like a massive amount of endorphins and like I became engaged in life again. I turned into a completely different person. It's a very complicated story. Basically, I was not the same person she had met at first. I became a completely different person. And I, that new person didn't need a girlfriend and didn't probably want one. Um, but she wasn't exactly embodying like the strong person that I got involved with either. So we had kind of gone two different directions. The part about the dark ending thing, too, in general, is that, like, it's not like I'm leaving this out and really, like, ruining the story, necessarily. It's that in telling these stories, there has to be a moral line where you don't tell everything about someone else because some things that happen to people or some things that even they do are so dark or so terrible that it's not my right to be able to kind of explain that to other people. Sure. But for our purposes, 
the true ending of the story will be that I kept having to go down to this fucking courthouse. I would have to borrow cars to go down to the courthouse. It was like a super big process that was really annoying going down to night court. Trying, just trying to get this charge over with. And by this time, you know, it's all pretty much in the past. But I realize that the worst thing about going to jail is having to deal with everything afterwards. Just having to go back to court. Just going to court. Just paying the fucking lawyer. All that stuff was, like, completely not worth it. You know, my brain chemistry was wrong when I thought it would be interesting. Although it did lead to, like, a lot of these circumstances. Magically. But so I walked down to get the charge finally removed down to night court. And I go down in the magistrate's office and... As usual, when I'm doing things I don't want to do, I'm writing tons of songs in my head to entertain myself, to to go through the drudgery of the situation. So I'm writing this song as I come down into the magistrate's office, and I go up to the counter, and I'm like, hey, can I borrow a pen? I just got to go in a jail bathroom and, like, crouch up near the window to get some light. And I'm, like, writing these lyrics that essentially at the time were about the dream quality of needing to meet this girl, you know, and sort of begging her to see it my way and kind of understand that destiny was at hand. So I'm scribbling away at this uh, little pad that I would always keep in my pocket and I come out of the bathroom I walk up to the magistrate and I say, here's your pen, man. And I hear a scuffle behind me and I turn around and the guy who got me arrested working at Ingalls at the grocery store is getting hauled in with cuffs on (laughs) into the jail and like roughed up and he's like yelling shit. And I look over, I'm like, Maybe I can fucking cast spells on people, you know? Like, the motherfucker who got me put in jail when I actually hadn't maybe technically broken the law, I mean, maybe I did, is now being hauled into the same cell as I happen to be in the jail, which seems incredibly impossible that I would be there at that moment. And I look at the magistrate, And I go, is that the guy from Ingalls? (laughs) He's going to jail? And the magistrate looks at me really like happy and lighthearted. And he's like, straight to, no returns. I'm like, this is too fucking weird that like this horrible experience is all part of this cosmic rhythm that has fed me through this, uh, the ringer, you know, and given me love. And then taken away this other shit, I guess money, and delivered me into my fate. I've probably written three love songs, at least that have been released. So obviously I must have been in a fucking state to be so mesmerized by her that I wanted to crystallize the feeling of of kind of confusion and needing that transcendence I believe she could give. Yeah. 
I won't. 